Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back, everybody. Extra time with me, Liam Horbin, presented by Betway 19 Plus. Please bet responsibly, Ontario only. Maybe you've been making some uh, futures bets on the Premier League, which started a couple of weeks ago. Or maybe you had a little bit of an Arsenal winning 1-0 today, which they did against Crystal Palace in a somewhat exciting game. It was kind of a weird one. I don't know. We'll get into it later on. But yes, welcome back to Extra Time with me, Liam. I've been away. I think Brett did two episodes, maybe one. I don't know. Told him to kind of do him as he could. It was a busy time. Women's World Cup was going on. People were working hard at the 90th minute. Meanwhile, I was uh, I was going to say soaking up the sun in England, but anyone from England would know. Sun doesn't really come out there. I was soaking up a lot of rain in my jumpers, I can tell you that much. But yes, I've been away in England for the past three weeks. Spent a few days in Paris as well, which was an experience. We'll call Paris an experience. I'll get into Paris quickly. Paris looks very nice. The Eiffel Tower was very cool to see. I went all the way to the top. Then it's cool to see Paris from that vantage point. I'm actually very scared of heights. So I was, uh, I did it because I thought to myself, I was like, when, are, when am I going to come back and do this again? I was already halfway up. May as well go all the way to the top. And it was, uh, it was worth it. The, the elevators look a little sketchy as you're going up and down and you're thinking, boy, oh boy, one little error and I am flat as a pancake. But we got up there, got down safe and sound. It was all good. Very exciting day on the Eiffel Tower. What else did I do there? I got on one of those hop on, hop off buses where it drives you around and see all the all the sights. People say they're a bit of a ripoff. They probably are. I don't even know how much it was, to be honest. But also... I wouldn't have seen it all if I didn't get on one of those. And it was quite easy to just jump on, jump off whenever I needed to, or hop on, hop off as it's advertised as. So that was cool. Uh, the Arc de Triomphe was uh, probably my favorite thing to see. That thing is massive. And I believe the Tour de France had just gone through there recently or is getting ready to go through or something. So there was a little bit of that around there too. Um, so that was really cool to see. Louvre saw the Mona Lisa. Bit overrated. If you're going to go see the Mona Lisa, maybe let me know on this too. Would you line up to see it or would you do what I did and just simply walk down the side, snap a quick picture with your phone and off you go? I feel like that is the best way to see the Mona Lisa. I couldn't imagine lining up unless you're a big arts person, I suppose. And that's fair enough if you're into that kind of stuff and have at her. I'm not going to hold you back. But the, the ironic thing about the Mona Lisa, I think, is so the Mona Lisa is not... It's your average size painting, I would say. It's it's no great size. It's behind um, 
It's behind some, I would assume it's bulletproof glass. I would imagine something like that. But at the other end, the, the picture that Mona Lisa looks at is the biggest painting in the Louvre, which the, my tour guide told me there was over 300,000 pieces, I believe, in the Louvre art collection. So to have that thing there was pretty cool. And looking at it, it's almost like um, it's a bit of a Last Supper kind of vibe to it. I believe Jesus is in the picture in the middle and his disciples and then whoever else is. And it was, it was actually a very, very nice painting. And then I'm not much of an arts person, but if you're, if you're there, you kind of got to see all that stuff, right? So I did it all, but the people, and I'm sorry if you're from France or Paris specifically, because I've heard other places in, in France are quite nice actually, but just not great to me. And uh, the people who I was with, one lady who I was grabbing a coffee from told us to shut up and don't talk when she talks. So that was pleasant. My, uh, couple of people in my family too speak fluent French who were trying to trying to also speak French to the people there to make it easier for them and also like help themselves a little bit too like get more fluent in the French and they just refused to to acknowledge the fact they spoke French and spoke back to them in English it was very very confusing the there was obviously enough people there who were very very nice but unfortunately the the rudeness overruled and I don't think I'll be going back I don't think I'll go back. Maybe a sports event one day, like if England are in the World Cup final, perhaps one day, and it's in France, and I get the opportunity to go, then I'll go. Speaking of World Cup finals, I applied for my ticket for the um, 2026 World Cup. That's free if anyone wanted to do that. It's just you just type in FIFA 2020 to FIFA 2026 World Cup tickets. It's kind of going to a draw, and then you go from there. So that was good. And also, the Women's World Cup final was on yesterday yes sunday was yesterday and spain 1-0 win and their winning their first world cup beating england unfortunately for an englishman i i'm not gonna sit here and pretend i know a lot about the women's game because i quite frankly don't i learned a lot watching the world cup this time around and a lot of more of the players and this one was that felt a lot different for the world cup and i know this is kind of the common story around the whole world cup but was the competitiveness of it it wasn't usa making it to the final again it was it was england and 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 spain and then you also had nigeria who had a very good world cup canada unfortunately didn't do very well but you see them get knocked out the olympic gold medalists and that shows you the competition that was there obviously the u.s went out on penalties which was a bizarre way to go out just crazy the way that uh, sweden scored that last penalty basically a millimeter over the line so I think just big props to the to the women's game in general. I think this last, I would say since 2021, I believe that's when the European Championships were for the women in, in England. I think since that point, maybe even the Olympics too in Tokyo, that's big steps have been made in the women's game from what I've seen. And maybe you know a little bit more about it than I do. And if you do, please, please educate me on it. I'd love to keep continuing to learn more about it. And I know on zone they have, the UEFA Women's Champions League. So I think I'll tune in a little bit more to that, to be honest. I've, I've been intrigued. It was obviously difficult from a North American perspective on watching this World Cup, especially in the later stages. The uh, the games were very early in the morning. I believe the final was 4 a.m. in Edmonton. It's difficult to watch, but the ones where I think Canada's first game started at 9 p.m. on a, on when they played Nigeria, I believe that was. So... That one was easier to watch, but when I was in England, I was able to watch a few more games. I watched Brazil play. I believe they 
who did they even play? I can't remember. Portugal, one of the teams when they played the US and they they hit the post, sorry, in the last couple of minutes of the game there, which would have eliminated the US from the World Cup. So much easier to watch in England when the game started 9, 11 and 1 p.m. So that was good. So big props to the Women's World Cup. It was fantastic. We've now had two big, big events in the football world and World Cups have, have been very successful in the men's with teams like Morocco and Croatia getting all the way to the semifinals. And then the women's, of course, with Spain winning their first World Cup. So big props to all of them. Um, in England, England was great. London was fantastic. I really, really like London. Saw uh, Brentford Stadium on my way to Heathrow. That place is literally, if if you don't know, I maybe this is something fun you would find. But if I was you, I would look up some football stadiums and just zoom out a little bit and just see where they are, to be honest. Like Brentford Stadium, I had no idea. We just randomly drove past it on the way to Heathrow. Is literally on the side of the motorway and just in like kind of a middle of a bit of a residential area, I suppose, between some, some car dealerships as well. And it's just there like a really great stadium. Can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. So Wembley from the sky, unfortunately didn't have time to go and check that out. But my uh, sister-in-law had a, a good experience there right before the um, community shield between Arsenal and Chelsea. So, uh, sorry, city Chelsea. They would never, they would never get back there anytime soon. Anyway. And said that was really good when we were in France. We saw the start of France. But of course, I went to watch a Bolton Wanderers game. They played Everton. It was nil-nil. Disappointing. No goals. But it was actually a really fun game. And really, obviously, enjoy watching Bolton play. The last time I saw Bolton play live was when I went back to England, 2015-16. I can't remember which year it was. Bolton played Liverpool in the FA Cup. I believe it was a third or fourth round replay. And Bolton will win him. 1-0, Idiger Johnson had a penalty, went in, Liverpool 1-2-1. I think Daniel Sturridge got the first goal, and then Philip Coutinho, belter, curled it right around. Uh, who would the goalie have been for Bolton at the time? Maybe Ben Amos or someone like that. Bogdan, I think he was ginger, curled it right in. Nothing you could do. I think that was in the 78th minute as well. So disappointing from that, but it was very fun to be back. Um, very fun to be back this time around as well at the Tough Sheet Stadium. My friend uh, who I went to high school with in England gave us a really fun experience being in one of the suites, the 1877 suite, which of course 1877 is when Bolton was founded. So we were in the 1877 suite, got a good meal. Our seats were row P, so whatever the number that is back, but we were right behind the um, the benches. So we were actually sat within amongst the players. So right next to me was uh, George Johnson, who is a very promising player, former Liverpool Academy player. I believe he's only 23, 24, something like that. Uh, Owen Toll was there as well, Northern Ireland International. And there was a few Everton players dotted amongst them as well. And it was a very fun experience. Everton played a rather strong team, to be honest. And second half, they switched it up, brought on all their, um, all their academy players, young players. But it was a fun game, nil-nil. Um, I had the opportunity to go to the game as well on the Saturday, but turned it down. They were playing West Brom because I'd, I'd already been to one. I wanted to experience more of England. 4-3 uh, final to Bolton. Last minute winner from Aaron Morley. That would have been a thriller, but either way, very good to be back at the Tough Sheet Stadium. But of course, lots have happened since I left and I've, I've wanted to talk about a lot of it. We won't get into much that has happened in the past to be honest i'm just going to try and cover these 
last two weeks of the Premier League season, but not in every single team way, but in just some some thoughts I have specifically. Chelsea, of course. I mean, how can we not talk about Chelsea? Manchester United, Spurs, Wolves, Brighton. I just finished watching Arsenal and Crystal Palace too, so maybe I'll give that a quick, uh, quick whirl right off the bat. And also just, just what the Premier League is right now is very intriguing to me, so we'll get into that as well. But first, quick ad. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. Good ad. Hopefully it played. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> it's always a bit awkward when I say that and then nothing happens. So there you go. Hopefully that ad was uh, something, was there, uh, existed. But either way, let's get into uh, the Premier League. We are back in full swing. Two games in now. Brighton, top of the table. If I remember correctly, weren't they first or second at the top of the table last year too? I don't know. It was something like that, wasn't it? It was Brighton was a thrilling start to the year because do you know why? They're a fantastic football team. They're a great football team. Uh, who else is up there? City, obviously, in second right now. Arsenal, third. Brentford, fourth. Liverpool, fifth. The rest is all the same. Everton, one win. Can climb all the way to 13th. But they're terrible, so maybe that won't be happening. But either way, let's just quickly talk about the... Um, I want to just talk about Arsenal and Crystal Palace whilst it's fresh on my mind. Most kind of about the game a little bit. I'll just quickly talk about Crystal Palace. Obviously, Palace lost 1-0 to this in this game. Um, Sam Johnston gave away a penalty. Jan, Johnstone, sorry, gave away a penalty. Martin Odegaard buried it. 1-0 Arsenal. Arsenal remain undefeated in two games against Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace. <laughs> 
Palace obviously have a very good team. I think they're very they got some talent there. Obviously, Ezzy, Elise, Martin Gay is good. Anderson's a very good player. Lerma's quality as well. I think they, they have a lot of quality. The thing they struggle with the most, which is very obvious and something they've struggled with for a, a while now, to be honest, they just can't score goals. And I remember when Palace came up, and many a few of them remember, Andrew Johnson was just absolutely banging him in for Palace. And... They really need to find somebody like that again, someone they can rely on to, to score even just 12 goals a season would be massive for them from a striker. But Eduardo just doesn't do it. Ayu isn't that guy. Eze is amazing. He should have had a penalty today. Eze, that should have been a penalty. But the problem is when Elise isn't playing and Wilfred Zaha is gone, you're asking Eze to do a lot on his own. And today against Arsenal, he did everything he could. Like I said, should have had a penalty. It was giving it everything. Just so skilled and technical on the ball. But he's got no support at the moment. And Crystal Palace, if they want to take that next step as a club, really, really need to find themselves a striker who can bang on some goals. Because it's not going to be it. And I know Elise just signed a four-year deal, which is very good for them, actually. Because now they can build off that and say, well, he wanted to join because we're a good club and we've got good foundation here. And I think Palace do. I did, I know I said in a previous prediction, I do think that Palace will go down this season. That was, that was almost foreshadowing what could have happened, I guess you could say, if Eze and Elise both went. Elise very much definitely was felt like he was out the door. So I'm surprised he's still here, but good for them. But now they just need to find that striker. And I think Palace, call me crazy if you'd like. But they really need to be a club like Brighton and Brentford, no? A club that is definitely punching above their own weight, but has figured out a way to do so on a consistent basis that it's at the point now where you probably can't even say they're punching above their own weight. I think they're probably just good clubs. Crystal Palace need to be able to find that next step in their transfers. I think Roy Hodgson's a good manager and he should be able to get some good results this season. But is 12th really acceptable again? How long is Eze? I know at least he's staying, but how long is Eze going to do this now of like another mediocre season? They needed to find that striker. I know they just got that fr- uh, Franca, I believe his name is, from the Brazilian league. He's only 19. He had nine goals last season. Sorry. Nine goals in all competitions, yes, for um, Flamingo in the Brazilian league. Will he get it done in the Premier League? We'll see. He's only 19. So go from there and decide for yourself. But I think Palace need a little bit more. Arsenal, on the other hand, I cannot believe people underestimated what Arsenal were capable of. It is crazy. They finished second in the league last season and pushed and pushed and pushed uh, City, sorry, Almost until the very end, until the wheels fell off. Granted, they had some tough injuries. Saliba going down. Gabriel Jesus was pretty much injured from the World Cup onwards. Just never really found it again. Now you've got this experience of being in that title race. Also signing guys like Timber. Obviously got her. That's very disappointing. Uh, David Rea to give us some competition in net. Kai Havertz should be good for them. He's getting a lot of stick online right now, which I think is unfair. I thought he was decent today against Palace. It's also two games into the season. Give him some chance to really find his foot in. Declan Rice, absolutely phenomenal player. Just dominates. He's like a rash, isn't he? He's just everywhere. He just absolutely dominates the midfield. And to be honest, not even the midfield, just box to box. 
he is just quality. The awareness of that guy and the sense of of where he needs to be with the ball, off the ball, whatever it may be, he just knows what to do. And I, I love Declan Rice. Gabriel Jesus hasn't even played a game this season, but Eddie Nketiah, I like Nketiah. He, um, I think he might be in a shout for an England call up one day. I would not be shocked if he got a shout to go up and play for England this season. Maybe later on in the year, we'll see how he goes. He might have to bang home a few more goals, but who knows? I think England could use a, maybe a younger striker to come through like him as well. You think about it like, Watkins, Wilson, kind of battling for it, aren't they? Tammy Abraham's out till January. Ivan Tony obviously out for what is it now? Six more months, something like that. He just released an interview as well, which I gotta gotta tune into. To finish up on Arsenal, though, I think we're gonna get a really good image of of what this team is over the next six, seven games, something like that, which seems very obvious. But when you look at the schedule, they got Fulham who I think are a bit of a shell of what they were last season. Could struggle against relegation, but London Derby, I think they'll probably win that one. Now, United. We'll get into United a little bit later, but still United-Arsenal, always a big match when those two play against each other. Both teams typically show up, but that's at the Emirates, so come should be a win, I would assume. Everton, crap. Now you've got the North London Derby with Spurs. Obviously a big game, especially with Spurs have started the season. Bournemouth after that. Bournemouth, I don't think are as bad as people maybe will give them credit. Gary Neville said they were going to get relegated, which seems very silly of him. And then Manchester City on October 8th. They do play <laughs> They do play Chelsea on the 21st of October as well, but I just, they're not very good, are they? So I think that's kind of the challenge there. So you got United, Spurs, City with three of the next six games, with other difficult games too. Like, I would say Bournemouth is going to be a, a difficult game, especially away from home. So, we'll see. Well, I think we'll get a really good idea of what Arsenal is um, once those fixtures have, have gone through. And maybe that's the momentum they need. If they can get any kind of result against City on October 8th, then this title race is alive and well. Now, I know it's October 8th, but you would have to, maybe this is too early to call, but if they don't get a result against City, then is the race already over? We may as well transition straight into City because watching them play, they look almost unbeatable, don't they? They they had a tough matchup against Newcastle, who I think played them very, very well. It's difficult to go to the Etihad and, to be honest, only have one goal. Newcastle just couldn't find a way to to score a goal, which was their biggest issue. Arsenal need to get a result against Man City because they look to be they look to be transitioning their stars a little bit. Like Foden's coming about a lot more. Uh, Kovacic is coming through as well, especially with Kevin De Bruyne gone. They're changing a lot of things. Gundogan, of course, too. But City are the team to beat. City are the team to beat, and Arsenal need to at least get a draw against them on October 8th to keep the, to keep the title, title dreams alive. I think the next team we should talk about is Chelsea because it is, oh, they're such a weird team. They're such a weird team. And watching them yesterday against West Ham, they were the better team. They just couldn't find a way Score, scoring more than one, obviously, but just even like 
creating chances in the box. I found like quality chances, you know, it just wasn't there. Raheem Sterling was great. I think Pochettino may have, may have found the old Raheem Sterling, which is fantastic because Raheem Sterling on his day is one of the best players in the Premier League. His speed and, and acceleration is, is unmatched. Not many players in the league defensively can keep up with him in that, in that regard. And we saw that a few times yesterday, especially against West Ham. So if Pochettino can find a little bit more from Sterling and they got something there. The problem is someone's got to score when he crosses it into the box or Sterling's got to score. Nicholas Jackson got a lot of praise and I think he actually will be good, but he needs to find the back of the net sooner rather than later. Mudrick looks terrible. I'm not really sure what they're supposed to do with him. Kaiseido got a lot of stick yesterday um, <laughs> for giving away the penalty is what it is. You're trying to, trying to win the ball back and all that kind of stuff. And at that point to 95th minute, does it really matter? Time's gone. Um, Enzo has been very good for them. Missed the penalty. It just seems like there's just, every time something looks promising for Chelsea, it just goes absolutely down the drain for them. And they do it to themselves. I've seen many stats on Twitter. Many of them are lying to, cause you get those community notes now, but I believe they've won three games in the last 30 something. It's unacceptable from from a Chelsea standpoint. They they've been they've been bitten a little bit with injuries so like Christian and Cuckoo. That is far from ideal, but they just need more. They need more from players defensively. I didn't think they were very good. I thought that goal from Mikhail Antonio was very avoidable. Levi Colwell, for me, looks he's a very, very good player. He was very good at the Euro under 21s this past summer as well. But it was soft. It was a very soft goal. on, And I think he played a big part in it as well. I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on how I want to feel about Chelsea. Because I want it to work in the sense of, I think this team has a lot, a lot of fun players to watch play football. Mudrik included in that, to be honest. Sterling as well, if he can keep finding his feet. Enzo is quality. Jackson was very good last season as well. We need to see it from him. Conor Gallagher, I like a lot. Reese James, obviously, who knows when he's going to play because he's always injured. But I want it to work from that standpoint because I want to watch this fun team and these fun players excel. However, I also hate how they just think they can go out and just buy this player and buy that player. They send another goalie today from the MLS. Can't remember his name off the top of my head. But I just hate how that side of things is happening, how they just think they can buy their way to success. And this just doesn't seem to be a lot of plan around it. They're spending way too much money and they're not even spending money on that good of players, to be honest. Like some of them are obviously good, but like 115 million for Kai Sado, that is crazy. That is crazy. I mean, good for Brighton to get that kind of money, but he, he's not worth that. I think I would have paid 60, 70 million. The, f- the money in it is just, is a bit outrageous. And from that perspective, I'm glad to see Chelsea fail on a consistent basis because I think it's unnecessary to, to be spending that much money. There's, there was a lot of quality at Chelsea before Todd Bowley came in and, and started to rip it all apart. And it just feels like the identity of Chelsea doesn't exist anymore. And Pochettino's a very good manager and he could probably find it back, but it's not going to come easy. And I think people who thought Chelsea were going to finish in the Champions League this season are foolish, foolish 
compared to what the other teams in this league are. And honestly, it's, it's disrespectful to what teams like Brighton have accomplished, Newcastle, uh, Aston Villa, sure, we'll put them in there, even Brentford to an extent. Chelsea aren't even as aren't as good as any of those teams right now. And coming up, let's see what they have in their upcoming schedule here. They've got Luton, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, and Villa. If they don't win three of those games, then they're going to struggle to get any kind of European football, never mind Champions League football. We'll move quickly on to Manchester United. And I got Spurs, Wolves and Brighton. I wouldn't mind talking about too if we can get through quickly. Just quickly on Spurs. Losing Harry Kane is obviously a, a significant, significant blow. But boy, oh boy, is Ange football come through and thriving. That man has got Tottenham absolutely dancing right now. And a big reason why is Basuma. Basuma is incredible. He was so, so good yesterday against United. And he just really allowed Saw to kind of run around and do what he needed to do. He got a great goal. That man is like a rash. He is just all over the place. And I love him. He was very, very exciting to watch. And the work ethic is in, is incredible. James Madison is able to thrive because of what Basuma and Saw doing in the midfield behind him. Just allows James Madison to do whatever he needs to the pressing football is very exciting to watch. Yesterday, I didn't realize how young this team was until I looked yesterday and and Son was the oldest player in the starting 11 at 31. They've got a lot of a lot of exciting football is going to happen this season in Tottenham. I said which was very wrong of me that they would be a bottom half team. I think they can definitely compete for a Europa League spot this season. At best, obviously push for a Champions League spot, but if they can get the best out of James Madison every single week and Basuma is able to stay consistent, I see no reason why they can't compete for for European football next season again. And especially now that they don't have European football to worry about this year. Should be a very exciting season for, for Spurs. So the expectations the, is your Europa League are minimum, right? It has to be, I think. I think maybe they can even push for for Champions League if they continue on the way. they um, But that result yesterday against Manchester United was, sorry, on Saturday. I watched it on Sunday. That's why I keep saying Sunday. Um, very impressive. Very impressive. They got Bournemouth next, Burnley, Sheffield United, and of course Arsenal. So they've got a nice little patch here where they can gain some momentum and keep pushing and see what they can do. But it's, uh, it's crazy to think they lost Harry Kane and have scored four goals in two games with what has it been now obviously the martinez goal was on goal saw james madison get both against brentford he, i think he might have either way sorry uh james madison got two assists that's what i was thinking that Everson royale and uh romero romero good start good start for spurs i'm very excited to continue to watch them compared to what you've watched when they played conte ball the last few years Oh boy, it is it is a thrill to watch Tottenham Hotspur at the moment. Uh, United, on the other hand, bit of a shit start to the season, I think it's fair to say, but if I was a United fan, I wouldn't be overly concerned. Garnacho, I think maybe, can't play every week yet. Very good talent, can't play every week. They need Sancho to maybe find his foot in a little bit so they can get him in the squad and just help out Garnacho and relieve the stress a little bit from him. Mason Mount will be fine, people. Let's give him a bit of a break here. 
Um, they were actually a bit unlucky yesterday against Tottenham. They should have had a penalty. I can't remember who shot the ball, but that was definitely a handball in the in the box from, from the Spurs defender. And Anthony at the post right after Spurs scored the first goal. So a bit unlucky. They were obviously lucky against Wolves not to concede late in that match. That was avoided. So I guess this was karma kind of catching up a little bit. But if I'm a United fan, let's not forget, you were absolutely dreadful the first two games last season. And you have a win under your belt this time this se- and two games into the season. So Nottingham Forest next, Arsenal, Brighton, Burnley. Tough little stretch. I think United will be fine. Win your home games, get a result against Burnley away. You'll be solid. You'll be solid. Title hopes, I wouldn't grasp onto them too much they can compete with the big dogs i think but they just don't have enough to to hold on till the very end yet they need to need to keep building this squad with a lot of good foundation i saw there was rumors of varan maybe going to saudi arabia hopefully that doesn't happen for them but maybe we'll see more uh harry Maguire. united friends do you like that do you hate that i would imagine hate it <laughs> but we'll see we'll see united i wouldn't be um i wouldn't be too worried if i were you Wolves, who played United, and then we'll get into Burnley, uh, Brighton, sorry. They played, Wolves obviously played United first game of the season. Unlucky not to get a penalty at the end. I think the head of officiating basically came out and said that it should have been a penalty, and that ref was suspended for this week, and maybe the VAR referee as well. Good. At least uh, you can only right your wrongs rewrite your wrongs something like that you can't redo them i don't know i butchered that you know what i'm trying to say you made a mistake you've got to work past it and move along wolves are interesting just a quick you like you look at the goals that happened against brighton on saturday 46 minutes 51 minutes 55 minutes your team falls apart the game's done it's 4-0 what are you supposed to do you gotta you gotta be better defensively in that standpoint but Watching Wolves, I said they'll get relegated. I think they'll be in a relegation battle. And it's hard to 100% judge the Premier League at the moment because we haven't really seen Luton play after their game was postponed since Kenilworth Road won't be ready yet for a home game. So that that got postponed. Wolves might be okay. They have enough quality in the squad. They should be able to get them through if they can just tighten up defensively. Nunez, obviously a great player, got a red card that was very stupid and just immature of him, I, I thought. Pedro Neto has his moments. Cunha, very good against United, was was solid against Brighton, I thought too. They just need some luck. They need some luck to fall their way. And I think they'll actually, I think they'll be in the battle for relegation, but I think they could survive. They have too, too many good players in the starting 11. The problem is the bench. Huang came on and scored, obviously, but we'll see. Like, is Doherty gonna get any better? I don't think so. It's just about trying to find the footing now. Everton next, massive game, then Palace. And then they have Luton in there as well within the next four games. So if they can find some momentum from there and Gary O'Neill can get his team having a high work ethic, which is I thought was something that lacked a little bit for parts of the game against Brighton then Wolves might be okay, but we'll have to wait and see from there. Last team we'll we'll talk about directly is Brighton. Incredibly exciting team to watch play football. Brighton, 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 Brighton. Brighton and Hove Albion. Just so fun. 4-1 against Lewin, 4-1 against Wolves. Easy start to the season, let's be honest, but 
you got to win your games. You got to win your games in front of you, and that's exactly what they'd done. And can they get Champions League this season? A Brighton a Champions League squad. I don't know yet. It's it's just interesting how they're able to to cycle through these players like it's nothing. Kukurea, uh, Caicedo, Basuma, Benjamin White, Robert Sanchez is gone now too. And they just find the next guy. Solly Marsh, Matoma. It's, it's absolutely nuts what they're able to do and just continuously have success. And it just shows how strong that system is that they have running it. Even before Roberto De Zerbi, what Graham Potter had going on, now they've been able to take that next step which I don't think many people thought they were going to be able to do after Potter left. And they've just absolutely thrived under the Zerbi. So I'm excited to see what they're able to do. West Ham next, Newcastle, Manchester United, and then Bournemouth. But the intensity and the work ethic and just the direct football is so exciting to watch. The the best team I've seen play from an excitement level so far this season. Just an absolute thrill and... I think they can push for fourth in the Premier League this season. I don't know if they'll get it, but I think they'll come very, very close and be there for the most of the season like they were last year as well. And I think they're going to finish ahead of teams like Chelsea. I think they'll probably finish ahead of a team like Aston Villa as well. So if Brighton can continue on this run, they're they're always a tough team, but they're going to be a tough, tough team for teams like Man City as well. Now, the last thing I wanted to quickly touch on before we wrap up this episode just the Premier League in general I feel like this group of 20 is there's only one team who I think you can predict what they are and that's Manchester City they are the best team in the world and I don't think there's any argument on that even without Kevin De Bruyne they are quality and think of the players they've lost as well Mares has gone obviously KDB injured uh, Laporte went to Saudi Arabia Gundogan four players who would get into pretty much any team in the Premier League and they're just gone and City haven't missed a beat I haven't missed a beat I think Alvarez is going to be great this season for them Foden looks like he's ready to take another step Kovacic looks absolute quality and then when you look through the the other 19 teams in the Premier League there's just questions. There's just questions. And I think unpredictability is something that's going to happen in the Premier League this season. I mean, Brighton, you look at them. Are they able to maintain this all season? Arsenal, can they push for the title? Brentford, what are they going to be on a consistent basis about Ivan Tony? Liverpool, do they have enough depth? Tottenham, can they survive so long without Harry Kane? West Ham, what are they? Are they good enough? Are they not good enough? Newcastle, what are they going to be once the Champions League starts? Villa, what are they going to be once the Europa League starts? Forest, do they have a good enough squad to stay in the Premier League? Crystal Palace, who's going to help Eze and Alisi? Manchester United, are they good enough to take the next step as well? Fulham, what are they going to do about Mitrovic? Bournemouth, are they good enough to be a top half team? Are they going to fight against relegation? Chelsea, when is anything going to work? Sheffield United, why you sell all your best players to Premier League rivals? Luton, you don't have a stadium. Is your squad good enough? Burnley, question marks again. We've seen them once. Is their squad good enough? Wolves, are you going to be able to defend this season? And Everton, are you going to be able to score goals this season? The only team we really, really know who they are is Manchester City. And 
I think it's just it's a credit to to Pep and his squad there at City and what they've been able to do, but also just the Premier League in general and just the competition within the league. I don't think there's many leagues in the world where you can go through and say there's probably eight teams that could finish in the top four this season, including City. Well, there's also probably six, seven teams that could get relegated. The middle ground is so tight. It's such an interesting, it's such an interesting one. There is definitely three groups, I think, of your European contenders. Your teams are probably going to be in the middle, which is probably like a Bournemouth or Brentford, and then maybe a Crystal Palace. Any teams who are going to be in the relegation battle? Fulham, Everton, Wolves, Forest, more than likely, and the three promoted teams, Luton, Sheffield United, and Burnley. Although I think Burnley could be interesting. It's just, it's such an incredible league, and I love it. Next week, we got an exciting one. Chelsea, Luton, relegation battle. Bournemouth, Spurs, Arsenal, Fulham, Brentford, Crystal Palace, Everton Wolves, United Forest, Brighton, West Ham, Burnley Villa, Sheffield United, Manchester City, Newcastle, Liverpool, and the weekend. And there you go. Premier League's back, baby. I'm back. We'll be back next week. I'm going to try and do these on Monday now just to kind of get a quick recap on the weekend and go from there. Maybe we'll do one or two during the week if something happens. I'm going to watch the Ivan Tony interview. I'm very curious to see what he has to say and what all went down with him. It's like a two-hour interview, though, so maybe we'll uh, digest that a little bit too. But for now, thank you very much for listening. Leave a leave a, a like, favorite, leave a review. If you see this on Twitter, maybe retweet it. That'd be nice. But again, if you're on YouTube too, like the like the video. Again, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.